You know, when it's his plan and his timing and he opens your mind to his truth, you become a truth seeker on steroids. Walk Like a Hebrew, the podcast where we tell the stories of people who walk out their faith like our Messiah, Yeshua, also known as Jesus. I'm Jody O'Dell. This is episode 12 with our guest, Karen Bixby of Northern California. Karen is a biblical health and wellness coach with a wonderful story to tell about how she found the way. All right. Welcome to Walk Like a Hebrew. I'm here today with Karen Bixby of Northern California. And we're going to talk about Karen's walk as a Torah keeper. Good morning, Karen. Hi, Jody. So good to be with you. <laughs> Thank you. How are you? I'm great. Wonderful. Having a blessed day. Wonderful. So, um, yeah, just tell me a little about yourself. Well, uh, my husband Greg and I have been married for 36 years. We have four adult sons. Uh, I'm trying to be very patient with them, waiting for daughter-in-laws and then <laughs> grandchildren. Uh, I've got two good prospects so far, so <laughs> we're praying about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I told the other two, if they don't hurry up, uh, I can, I really believe in arranged marriages. So I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to find some really good women for them, but you know, they kind of roll their eyes. So we'll see. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So what do you and Greg do? Well, uh, we've been blessed in the last few years with a beautiful place in the foothills, uh, 40 acres wow. of uh, oak trees and so forth. We moved actually from Michigan. We kind of had a, a California connection for many years because Greg was born and raised in the Bay Area and then left and came to Michigan to get his master's degree uh, from Michigan State. And uh, we got married and we'd come uh, every year from Michigan to uh, California to a family cabin up in the Sierras that his dad built. Then we finally had an opportunity to um, move out here permanently and we're just enjoying the good life. We live off grid. So we are on solar and um, a big propane generator when that's necessary. But sunny California, we don't have to worry about that too often. We have our own water and, and we recently bought some goats to keep oh. the fire danger down. <laughs> so nice. We, we started with eight. We now have, uh, hey, they are fruitful and multiply. We now have 16 with one more baby on the way. We'll have a perfect wow. and complete seven babies this wow. spring. So tell us a little bit about your, your faith background. Where did you come from? Oh, boy. Well, I was born and raised a Lutheran, went to Lutheran school until high school. Then I went to public high school. I was from multiple generations of German Lutherans, you know, all the way back to Germany. And um, my favorite time of year was Christmas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I would deck the halls. I mean, I was Mrs. Christmas in our country neighborhood back in uh, Michigan. Oh, I bet. But uh, that all changed drastically. So, <laughs> so how did that happen? Like, was there one thing that oh yeah got you down yeah. this path, or was it you know did it take a long time, or was it pretty sudden? Nope, it was one thing, and it was pretty sudden. And this is my story. Okay. Um, on October fifth of two thousand, 
I was taking our two youngest sons to school in the morning, and I was blindsided by a young man driving a car that ran through a stop sign at a or a stop light rather at pretty high speed and um, hit me almost head on. Oh um, my goodness! I I was in a, a big SUV and he was in a small hatchback. And I really never knew what hit me because, you know, how those airbags just explode. And yeah. I was in this cloud. And my first impression, since I never experienced uh, one of those airbags before, is that I died and gone to heaven. I didn't know. I was in a cloud. Oh, my gosh. But um, anyway, came to in the hospital after some surgery and didn't find out until after a few days later what actually had happened and that the young man had died. Oh, no. um, so oh, that was really a, a challenge for me because, again, I was questioning, was it my fault? You know, how did this yeah. happen? Why yeah. did this happen? Oh. And um, when I finally found out, my husband and pastor told me and they waited until after I had stabilized in the hospital. Interestingly enough, my favorite nurse was this big black man. Mm-hmm. and had arms like you wouldn't believe. And he was there with me and he put his arm around me and he said, God told me he has a plan for you. Oh. And I never saw him again after that. So Weird. <laughs> I was afraid to go back to the hospital to find out if he was really a nurse or not. <laughs> I bet, anyway, I, bet. <laughs> I grabbed onto that and I started asking God every day, what is your plan for me? Why did this happen? How could this happen? So I was in physical therapy for almost three years, and he waited until after my body was completely healed. After that, I was caught at our cabin out here in California, up in the mountains, and it happened after Greg and the kids went back for sports reasons before school started, and a friend of mine came to visit, and she was starting to question her faith and had been in contact with uh, some Sabbath keepers, and she stopped in Southern California to keep Sabbath for the first time with a fellowship and then came up to see me, and she was told by them not to reveal this to me because since I was a Lutheran, Mm -hmm. that it would probably end our friendship. She came to visit me. I found uh, these books at the top of her uh, backpack after she rushed to the restroom when she got to my cabin. And I thought, oh, these are interesting. And when she came out, her jaw dropped to the floor and she said, what are you doing? And I said, these are really good books. I mean, it was everything from keeping the Sabbath to uh, why we shouldn't keep Easter and Christmas and all those things. And I never questioned them. I just devoured them and and started looking at all the biblical references. And it was like he opened my mind and poured all these things in. And it was what I'd been waiting for for all three years. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, okay, now I know this is your plan for me. And when I left California and flew back to Michigan and was so anxious to tell my husband and my kids, and they all looked at me like I'd come from another planet. Of course. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So that that was, to my dismay, my first encounter with people not accepting what I thought was the obvious. And I cried many nights over that and challenged God saying, you know, why would you give me this truth if my own family won't even accept it? I had a little vision where he told me that I was going to be a teacher and I laughed at him, kind of like Sarah did, you know, with Abraham. (laughs) 
(laughs) and said, you know what, this is the funniest thing ever, because I mean, you're teaching me things that I didn't know before. And I will never live long enough to to be in that position where I'm able to teach this to other people, because I have too much to learn and unlearn. So fast forward, that's, you know, been, well, this October will be 20 years ago that that accident happened. It's been pretty amazing. Uh, I lost a lot of friends over it, but he brought so many wonderful people into my life that have supported me when my own family didn't. So you're one of those people too, by the way. Thank you. I feel the same way. You know, I just feel very blessed. You know, I just always think of Yeshua. I mean, look at look at what happened to him. I think, wow, uh, if a few people reject me, that doesn't even compare to what he went through. So right. there right. you have it. So nearly 20 years then you've been walking this lifestyle. Well, yeah, three years of seeking and then uh, the rest is history, right? So did you were you able to find like a group to fellowship with right away or did you do it on your own? Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, through a couple of contacts with my, my girlfriend that came to visit me, I found a United Church of God fellowship just minutes from my house in Michigan. Okay. And then and then the following, and those people were wonderful. I mean, yes. despite some experiences that other people have had with them, uh, I found kind of a rebel group, I guess you would say, because <laughs> the quote unquote minister uh, is British and I, I love talking with him because he's also an historian. So he brought that that insatiable attitude um, to me to uh, investigate history, not only church history, but, you know, our Hebrew roots and so forth. And then when I met uh, Nehemia Gordon early on as well and got his book, The Greek Jesus versus Hebrew Yeshua, I actually gave it to our pastor and he read it and loved it. And then the next summer, I came back out to California and thought, what what am I going to do here? I need some Sabbath keepers to fellowship with. And a long story, but I got connected with the Churchills and with the Creamers. The rest of that is history, obviously, because I've <laughs> yeah. been with them ever since. And they, you know, they've just taken me into their family. And um, just last Shabbat, we were talking about it. And Jack and Marty Lane said, we can't ever remember when you weren't part of our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel so. I feel that way myself. I look back; it, it hasn't been as long for us as it has for you, but I still I can't remember what life was like before. We've had some, you know, family challenges. My husband is just recently kind of open more after all this time to uh, keeping the Sabbath and coming to fellowship and so forth. And How he's had you? his own challenges that have brought him to this point. And I have one out of four sons that is keeping Sabbath, but they're all seeing that mom is serious about doing this and they're open to discussion. So, you know, I'm trying to be patient and and know that, you know, it's all in Yah's perfect timing and his perfect plan. So I just, I'm at peace with it. I just, uh, I used to not be so peaceful with it, but I, <laughs> I understand you know, that too. <laughs> you know, I know we, we want uh, everything to happen in our timing, right? And Well, you know, and it's because I, it seems so obvious to us. Why is it not obvious to everybody else as well? Exactly. And, and I think that yeah. a lot of that is that, is that God is in control. He That's is the right. one that will open people's eyes in, in, in his own timing. Exactly what you said. Well, I've learned a lot of lessons in uh, not arguing about it, in being more humble about it, 
uh, being bold when I think I should and, and not so much when I shouldn't. Uh, he's taught me a lot of lessons in that and a lot of lessons recently. You know, we, we all have our opportunities to plant little seeds without being overly forceful. Right. So. Right. Being Torah terrorist. Exactly. It, it, it is difficult to it is difficult to um, figure out when we talk to different people who we are, how to describe what we do. And yeah. I find that I find that changes with almost every conversation, depending on who they are. You know, that so, I hear that over and over and over. That's exactly it's exactly it. It changes from person to person. So what so, what what is it that you call yourself like in your own mind? What do you call yourself? You know, I think the best description is walking in the footsteps of Yeshua. You know, really, I mean, I've had people from even the Lutheran church early on ask me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just doing what Jesus did. Exactly. I mean, that looks different to different people, depending on what flavor of Christianity they are or what denomination or whatever. But that's always a good way to start the conversation. Yes. So what did Jesus do? What did he do that we do now in this walk? A lot of people think that Jesus was doing a whole new thing. But if you really and truly read his words, which that's what I did originally, I went back to my red letter Bible and started mm-hmm. reading his words and said, whoa, he didn't nail the law to the cross. No, whoa, he, he was he was keeping the Sabbath. And I don't see where he kept Christmas and no. Easter and all these other things. And guess what? The words that he spoke were not the New Testament. He wasn't teaching Paul's books and letters. He was teaching what Moses wrote about, what the prophets wrote about, what David wrote about in the Psalms. It was so clear to me. And I had these discussions, too, with uh, some of my siblings that thought I'd lost my mind. And they were quoting Paul to me. And I'm like, wait a minute. Jesus wasn't preaching Paul's words. (laughs) No. You know? (laughs) No, he was not. So why don't you tell me a little bit about some of your favorite things in this walk? And then I'll ask you about your least favorite parts of this walk. Okay. So first, your favorite, your favorite things about the lifestyle. Well, I think for one thing, it makes life easier. It's really simple. You know, so many people want to make it so hard and complex. And, you know, in growing up in the Lutheran church and learning from a young age, I mean, from kindergarten, basically memorizing a scripture, memorizing, um, and by the way, so much of that was out of context. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, and memorizing the Ten Commandments and the Lutheran catechism meaning to all of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all about don't do this and don't do that. Mm-hmm. And when you come to the understanding through Torah that it's really more uh, parental instructions, like we teach our own children, it really is just like in Deuteronomy, it's it's blessings or cursings. Right. So having the Ten Commandments and all of his instructions and, as guidelines are such blessings because it makes life simple. I think. And keeping the Sabbath, oh my goodness, that's just been such an amazing blessing. Yeah. Uh, I love the way Dennis Prager describes it as, you know, if you work seven days a week and you are successful and you're a millionaire, you're still a slave. Mm-hmm. You're still a slave to your work and your money. And what the Sabbath does is it just for 24 hours, it takes us out of this world and the cares of this world and the worries of this world. And I just love that because it gives me peace through the whole week, really. I mean, I don't worry about things anymore the way I used to. I'm trying to um, 
instill that in my husband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it just gives me so much peace. That's, yes. I guess that's the biggest thing I love about it. I remember somebody telling me, why are you keeping the Sabbath? It's so burdensome. And I said, wow, if the Sabbath is burdensome, sign me up because it's my favorite burden ever. How about six more days of it? Wouldn't that be yeah. Nice? We look forward to that, right? Exactly. Exactly. All right. So what's your least favorite thing about the walk? I think your label of Torah terrorist describes it well, because I, I do see people, I have witnessed this, new people coming into it from whether it's Christianity, mainstream, or wherever they're coming from, and seeing uh, seasoned Torah keepers and Sabbath keepers uh, putting too much on the newbies and actually making it a burden. Not everybody receives it in the same way. For me, it was you know, all at once. For other people, it's baby steps and a process. That, I think, is my least favorite thing. Yes. So, yeah, I would I would agree. My, it's kind of embarrassing. It, it gives is. everybody a bad name. <laughs> well, and, and we're going through growing pains. We have been for, obviously, a few decades, but people are still discovering what we're doing. Compared to every every other type of religion and denomination and faith, we are new. Yeah. Um, because we're rediscovering the roots of our Judeo-Christian faith. And uh, even though it is age old, the resurgence of it and the revival of it is new. And yeah. so... Do you think this could be the great revival that prophecy oh, talks about? Wouldn't that be amazing? I would... Do you, do you think we're you know, witnessing I, prophecy be fulfilled in our lifetime? I, I'm hopeful for that. I am seeing a gathering in many different aspects of, of some things that I'm involved in right now. Yeah, and uh, that gives me great hope. And you know what? If if Yeshua doesn't come back, like Brad Scott says, next Tuesday or next week or next year, <laughs> you know, we're preparing this fertile ground for our kids and our grandkids and for future generations. Because who yeah. knows? You know, we may have another few hundred years before He returns. Yeah. Uh, even though there's lots of signs, you know, I, I look at history and there's been past generations that have seen signs and said, hey, he's coming back tomorrow. He's coming back this year or whatever. And um, every generation you know, thinks that it can't get worse than their generation, don't they? Right. And it that's keeps right. getting worse. It does. It does. Uh, so that's my hope. Yeah. I hope I live to see the return of Yeshua. But at the you same know? time, I kind of hope I don't also because it's going to be. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> well, you know? you know, in my walk, there have been many times where I was certain that I was going to live to see it. But I will say recently, it's just been on my heart that, you know what, it, it might be a while longer and I, mm -hmm. I might not see it. And therefore, there's things that I need to do yes. right now, whether it's to be involved in starting an awakening, a great awakening and revival, as we've talked about, whatever it is, I'm going to focus on that right now. Yeah, that's good advice. What are your top three favorite resources that you like to recommend to uh, newbies? That's so hard because, <laughs> you know, when you've been in this walk for a while, you grow through different phases with different teachers, right? Yes. I will have to tell you, my very first teacher that I met face-to-face uh, -face and spent a lot of time talking to, because we both had a Lutheran background, was Brad Scott. Oh. And that was, that was back in 2005. And that was in Michigan. 
And um, he spoke to a group and he stopped speaking at about 930. And I sat with a couple of my friends and talked to him till like 11 o'clock. Wow. Because I had never had any exposure to Hebrew and the Hebrew language and the richness of it. And, you know, Brad Scott was all about that. And I I ordered my first Hebrew English linear Bible through him. (laughs) Cool. And then the next person that I met in person in Michigan was Nehemia Gordon. Oh, Nehemia. And, you know, I was kind of suspect like many because he's a Karaite <laughs> Jew, right? Yep. But the richness that he brought to, you know, the history and, and the Hebrew was just um, amazing for me. Yes. So yes. I so appreciate it. In every resource and teacher that I've come into contact with, I've found that they're imperfect, just like the rest of us. Yes, they are. And there may be things that I don't agree with them on, but there's so many things that I glean from them that I can appreciate them without nitpicking these other things like people do. You know, I just won't go there. I know that Yah has them there for a purpose and that that's what I'm looking for, the pearls that they have to share. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for their imperfections. But for newbies, uh, I think 119 Ministries is great. Again, I don't agree with them on everything, but I think they're a perfect place to start. Well, you you know, know, that's one of the things that struck me about this particular movement, I guess, is that, I don't know, when, when I was in mainstream Christianity, you either went all in for a specific teacher or you stayed away from their stuff completely. There was no gleaning from different teachers, at least not in the tradition that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And that's very different in this arena. I noticed that people are a lot more relaxed about saying, yeah, I learned this from this guy. I don't agree with everything he says, but he's got mm-hmm. some good things to say. And they say that about many different ministries and teachers. It's a very different culture than what I was accustomed to. And I really have enjoyed that. I've got to say. Well, you know, I, I agree with that. We all grow up in our own little bubble. I grew up in the Lutheran bubble. <laughs> and I really didn't pay attention to what anybody else was doing. But, you know, when it's his plan and his timing and he opens your mind to his truth, you become a truth seeker on steroids. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's great. It's, yes, you do. It's, it's not just in scripture. I mean, I was a truth seeker in health. I was yeah. a truth seeker in natural remedies. I was a truth seeker in history, in government. I mean, it really permeates every aspect of your life. Yes. And yes, and does. what I have always continued to this day to pray for is not only for his truth, but also for discernment and ah. wisdom. Because we can saturate ourselves in knowledge, but if we don't have wisdom and discernment with that, well, we can become Torah terrorists. <laughs> Yes, yes, we can. You know. Well, do you have any favorite resources now for people who aren't necessarily newbies? I love Aleph Beta. Aleph Beta, yes. That's that's a wonderful resource. Once you get past the the Jewishness, I mean, I know that that's hard for newbies, and even hard for some people that uh, have been in it for a while. But there's so much to glean from his teachings. Uh, Dennis Prager's Rational Bible. He really has immersed himself into that, and I think that is his his greatest work. His commentary on Genesis and Exodus, especially Exodus, just brings so much richness and, and deeper understanding. 
Thank you so much, Karen. You're welcome. I really, really enjoyed our talk. And I really, really love what you're doing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to Walk Like a Hebrew. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Walk Like a Hebrew. This podcast is entirely listener supported. So if you would like to contribute, please visit sheholdsforth.com and click the donate button. Many heartfelt thanks to those who have already donated. And many thanks again to Jack Lane for the excellent music. May Yahovah bless you. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.